everybody and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. So folks, we got a great show in tap for you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Power Hour. Uh, sunny outside. Well, sunny outside is Dominic and I record this on Tuesday. Hopefully it's sunny as you hear our voices. Uh, summer's in the air, Dominic. How's it going? I'm doing amazing, William. How are you doing? I am great, Dominic. Thank you very much for asking as well. I had my graduation early in this week. So, uh, yeah, going to uh, you know, miss being at, uh, at uh, Concordia there, but still uh, going to hang around and uh, be able to, to do the show. Um, was a fun, that was a fun few years there. Uh, but, yeah, let's get into some NFL now. Um, a little bit more of a quiet week, but we always got stuff to talk about here on the Power Hour. Um, I pulled up a, a cool article on NFL.com, Dom, and it says that, you know, top 10 teams facing the most urgency in, in uh, 2023 in this upcoming season. And no surprise, the team we've talked about actually quite a bit over the last little while, 10 on 10 is the Buffalo Bills. Um, and, you know, like I said, this is not a surprise. And, you know, link with the Bills now is Stephon Diggs not being happy with his role um, with the Buffalo Bills so far in training camp, which to me is kind of uh, a head scratcher because this guy is the most targeted guy on the team. He's got a great connection with Josh Allen. I don't know if, you know, they're heading in a direction where they're running the football a lot more. And that's why, you know, he's not super happy with his role. But it seems to me if anybody should be happy with their role at the wide receiver position, you know, Stephon Diggs is a guy that, he gets a lot of targets, right? And at the end of the season last year and in that playoff game, unfortunately, him and Allen weren't able to to kind of connect there. Uh, and the Bengals did a heck of a job in that playoff game. But uh, I don't know if, if if I'm Stephon Diggs now, I'm, you know, uh, I, I feel like I'd be happy with, you know, where I'm at with the Buffalo Bills. But a little bit of turmoil in Buffalo, and I'm not sure uh, – I'm not sure why, to be honest, but uh, this is a team that has to win now where we've talked about it. We can, you know, we're a broken record and say what we've always said. Uh, but now with this addition of, uh, you know, uh, Diggs and him not being happy, I think that, you know, kind of has a few question marks for this team. And, you know, you don't want to lose a guy like Diggs. So I think that, uh, you know, the time really is not for the Buffalo Bills. And that's why the uh, the panic meter seems to be or the pressure meter is a 10 on 10 right now for those Bills. Yeah, Buffalo, you know, they've been there in the playoffs the past few years. People have high expectations. It's normal. And when you're a leader like Stephon Diggs, who's honestly one of the top five ride receivers in this league, I can understand the frustration. I can understand that it probably feels that they've missed their opportunities. And every other move that they're going to do moving forward is going to be definitely looked at critically by the superstars on a roster. It's just normal. Now, does Stefan Diggs have the right to be doing this? Should he be not more of a team player? I'm kind of 50-50. I don't like Divas. I never did like Divas. But this specific situation, I don't really think it's a Diva situation. I think Stefan Diggs is this offense. So if he's not happy because for whatever reason, whether he's not being more involved in the play calling is what I've read recently. You know, if he's not involved in, in the offensive schemes and he's the number one guy, you know, I understand his opinion here. Normally, I would say otherwise. Normally, I'd be like, no, no, no let the coaches coach. But yeah. these, this team has had opportunities and they've blown it. So I'm not going to put too much pressure on him uh, as a sports analyst because I know where he's coming from. And Buffalo should have done a lot of different things in my personal opinion, and they haven't done it. So I get the frustration. However, you know, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know the details. I don't even know if it's a distraction, but yeah. as a fan outside hearing them reading the headlines. Yeah. You do have uh, uh, some question marks going there. So I'm going to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. I'm actually going to watch this story all year long. I expect yeah. Buffalo to be a bubble team in the playoffs. I think that Sean McDermott is the error, is the problem in Buffalo, and we'll just wait to see how it plays out. If you want to ignite this offense, you find a way to bring DeAndre Hopkins or Dalvin Cook in this offense. I know you already got James Cook, but hey, there's there's a, obviously something missing in Buffalo. They can't get over that hump, so why not more offense? What are your thoughts on that, William? Yeah, I think that a few things there. I like what you said about um, Stefan Diggs and his frustration and understanding that, right? He's a competitor. 
There's no doubt about that. And I don't think somebody should be happy with uh, having Super Bowl aspirations and, you know, coming up short year in and year out. And this guy's a baller. So in, in that regard, I do respect Diggs. Um, I mean, I don't think that he's a guy that's very complacent. I think he wants to get better every year personally and wants his team to get better. Um, but for me, I would understand his frustration more if that's what he was talking about. For me, his, his, his quote-unquote role in the team, um, look, and I haven't, you know, been uh, obviously a part of the, the Bills training camp or anything like that. You know, who knows what's going on in the locker room. I've just, you know, slowly glanced over what's been happening now and, and the turmoil between um, the two sides of Buffalo and Stephon Diggs. But kind of like I said, Dom, like, okay, if this team decides they want to, you know, run the ball more or do, you know, make their offense a little bit more unpredictable. I'm not sure that's all, all of a bad thing, right? Because this offense is a great offense. And, you know, we've seen them march on the field. We've seen them score points at will throughout the course of the season. Come playoff time, maybe this team is a little bit more predictable, right? And I just, I, I go back to that Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game where Allen and Diggs were just not on the same page. And it seems that Cincinnati had whatever they wanted in terms of taking away Diggs from the game. So, if, you know, they either ran the ball or that game, hit Dawson Knox or Gabriel Davis, if they were able to implement more players throughout the course of the season, maybe they would have been a little bit more prepared for that game come playoff time. So maybe this is actually the best thing for the team. And it's not to say that the best players should get less targets, um, should, you know, be a decoy. But, you know, football is the ultimate team game, right? And when you think about it, you know, I'm talking about it with my buddies and they're right. Like you compare football to any other sport, basketball, soccer, baseball. How many times in football do you receivers running the route and not getting the ball right like that's unfortunately just part of the game you run you run your deep fly route to open up a 10 yard out right that's just that's just what it is uh and you know you're gonna get tar- if you're targeted one of every three four plays the receiver you're kind of happy but that's just not what football is so for me um i'm kind of you know i, I get that you want to give uh savant a little bit of a pass here uh but it, for me, it's hard to just because, you know, he's been a huge part of this offense the last few years and being taken away from that. I get that it could be frustrating. And I get that, you know, you want to continue being the guy. I don't think he's going to stop being the guy. He's still the best player on this football team or the best, I should say, wide receiver on this team. Um, but I don't think that he is going to be, um, I should say, use any less or thought about any less in this offense. I just think maybe this this Bills offense wants to be headed in a better direction, wants to be more unpredictable on the offensive side of the ball. So for me, it's it's a bad look on Stephon Diggs, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I get you. I mean, normally I'm all for team first mentality, but just Buffalo has had it wrong in the past couple of years. And I think there's more self-inflicted wounds than anything else. And when you're the captain of a football team, I know him and Alan, you know, they're, they're definitely the leaders of this football team. In my opinion, you have the right to say something. And now the media will get involved and, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to twist the stories we just don't know. I'm going to give a pass to Stephon Diggs. I, I really am. I think putting up 1,400 yards and 11 TDs last year, you know, and you look at his years passing, 1,535 yards, 127 receptions. This guy's got a, looks like a Hall of Fame career uh, that he's kind of like booking here. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm actually on Stephon Diggs' side. Whatever he's saying, people should be listening. This offense needs to open up even more and we talked about the running game being an aspect that this team has lacked and by saying opening up more the offense it means it's the play design it's just too predictable it's just Allen unfortunately running with his head cut off and whatever was designed before him running with his head cut off wasn't right and I think Stefan Diggs wants to get the ball more maybe downfield I think he's getting it enough but like I said, who knows what direction they're going this year. To me, from what I hear, it's a run-first offense. That will be something weird. And I honestly, I'm ready for it. I think that it's actually probably a good strategy in that division. But I still think that whatever Stefan Diggs is probably seeing, he probably sees something that he needs to be more involved in, specifically when it comes to play calling. So I don't know. It's a it's a gray area, but I, I'm on Stefan Diggs' side here, William. You know, I I do understand where you're coming from, and look, I'll say it, uh, just to jump on what you said. If this team decides to become a, a run first offense, I think that would be a mistake. You know, you don't want to take the ball out of a guy like Josh Allen's hands, and we've seen Kansas City Chiefs run the ball very, very few times over the course of a game, and you know they've had success right there. Right now, the NFL's new dynasty. Um, 
And yet, don't get me wrong, they have run, run the ball. And in that Super Bowl, they run the ball a little bit more than people thought, and Pacheco had a bigger game than people expected. But if it would be a mistake if the Bills decide to become a run-first team. That would be a mistake. I just think that, you know, depending exactly what they mean by tweaking up their offense, um, I think I think we'll know early in the season, right? We're going to know early in the season what the play calls we may even know in preseason, what what this Bills team decides to do. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, like for, for Diggs, I understand his frustration for sure. I understand his frustration. I guess, like you said, Dominic, you said, well, it's, it's a gray area. Um, and he wants results for his team. Obviously, Allen does as well. And, you know, Bill's Mafia is going to stick with these guys. So they finish 17 and 0 or 0 and 17. So they'll always have the support of their fans. But, you know, right now it's kind of put up or shut up time if you're the Buffalo Bills. They just have that good of a roster. Um, so I'm scrolling through teams now. And then you got, you know, the obvious contenders. You got the Jets have a lot of pressure on them, the Eagles, the Bengals. How about those Cleveland Browns? Um, Cleveland Browns right now, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll pass it over to you, Dom. Like, how would you describe this team? Because okay, we have the Deshaun Watson, you know, issues off the field and all that stuff. This team is a, is a pretty solid team. Uh, you know, if you look at, obviously it starts with Deshaun Watson and he was out of football for a while, right? So we didn't expect him to come back and obviously uh, all of a sudden become Superman that he was before. Um, but I think now with the year under his belt, I'm not sure how much of a, of a pass he gets. So would you say it's fair that there's pressure on the Cleveland Browns, Dominic? And and I guess how would you kind of describe this team? Because to me right now, this team is, I'm not sure where they're headed. I'm not sure their direction. Um, and I think that it's, that's, you know, a question mark with a few teams in the NFL. And I think that's the case with the Cleveland Browns right now. Um, they have a solid roster. Don't get me wrong. They have the roster to potentially upset some teams. And they have the roster to meet the playoffs. Do they have the roster to win the division? I don't think so. I still think it's Cincinnati's division to win. Um, but I could see this team, if they get their stuff together, making the playoffs. So, yeah, what would you say is uh, right now with Cleveland is, you know, the, the pressure uh, the pressure meter right now? Because, you know, the article has them at 9 on 10. I'm not sure right now how much pressure this team should be under just because of, like I said, uh, you know, Watson coming back now. Um and him in his second year. But I, I do expect this team to be competitive. I think that, you know, if they come up and they lay in England like they did last year, that would be a problem. So, yeah, Cleveland Brown, a lot of questions to answer. Uh, I think if there's anybody really under pressure, it could be Deshaun Watson. But there's yeah. no expectations for the Cleveland Browns this year. I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, Cleveland's going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anybody saying that Cleveland's going to win the division. So, they have yeah. no pressure. Zero, nada. Kevin Stefanski clearly is coaching for his job. If you want to say that, that's pressure. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the coaching staff, and I'm not talking about a specific player. I'm talking about when you're talking about a team. Like, is the team, is the Cleveland Browns team facing any pressure? And the answer is no, they're not. So, with no expectations, could a wild card team pop up out of nowhere I think they could. I think the Cleveland Browns have one wild card in their back pocket, and that's defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. I like this guy. This guy can scheme defensively very well, and he could apply a lot of pressure on any quarterbacks if the blitz are timed properly. He's very aggressive. And for me, as a football fan, I like defensive coordinators that get to the quarterback on a constant basis. Disrupt that quarterback, never make him feel comfortable, but you have to have the personnel to do it. Now, Cleveland's defense is a very mysterious one because they've been drafting DBs, 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 and for whatever reason, it's just never penned out. So their secondary right now consists of Greg Newsom II and Grant Delpit and Denzel Ward. These guys, yeah. I think, are solid blocks to build upon for the secondary so you just need to get the pass rush. They got a big injury last year with Anthony Walker. They got JOK, who I think is a beast, but we really haven't seen him flourish too much because a guy like Miles Garrett, a lot of the time is not 100%. He always plays injured, and this guy was supposed to be the, the second coming of Taylor, you know, ex-Giants yeah. defensive end. And we just... We never really saw it. We saw him maybe a bit early in his career. But if this guy can unlock his full range of talent and with a defensive coordinator like Jim Schwartz, it's the only way I see Cleveland doing anything in, in this division is that defense has to really elevate that offense. Then Deshaun Watson gets a lot more opportunity 
to hit the play action. And that's what I think Deshaun Watson is really good at, is to, to sell the run and do an amazing play action. We saw Will Fuller light it up in Texas, like a lot. So the play action, run the ball and the defense, and Cleveland could shock somebody, maybe even in the AFC North, and steal a wild card spot from potentially a team like Baltimore or Pittsburgh. You never know in the NFL. Everything has to be played on any given Sunday. Somebody could win. So to make my point clear, Jim Schwartz is the only guy that can save Cleveland this year. Good stuff, Tom. I'm with you on that one. You never know my wild card spots. And this team, top to bottom, has a solid roster. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 16, 90 a.m. in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. So, Don, we continue on the trend of teams under pressure right now. Um, like I talked about, the number one has to be those Buffalo Bills. I guess maybe if I ask you now and throw it over to you before we get uh, into the article. I know we've talked about it a little bit uh, over the course of the uh, the offseason teams heading uh, with a lot of expectations heading into next season. Is there one team that instantly sticks out to you, Dom? Or it could be a player or quarterback. Uh, it's a similar question that I asked you before, but I'm curious to see if you have the same answer. Yeah, is there a team that you think you know really needs to put up or shut up this season in the NFL? Not necessarily put up or shut up. I wouldn't use those words. I would just say this team right now is being treated like they are going to be a monster team. And I'm not sold. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles. I know I was a huge fan of the Eagles last year because of that offensive line. And now everybody saw the draft. And they got Jalen Carter. And they're going to be able to bring that Georgia college defense to Philadelphia. And all these young players are going to merge together and become a defensive juggernaut. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying a team forming their defense and hoping that all those college players out of nowhere are going to be able to play against men. Not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm not here for it. I'm here for A.J. Brown. I'm here for Devontae Smith. That's your offense. And Dallas Gardart is definitely a good tight end. If those guys play decent football, you know, Philadelphia will be definitely good. But what if one or two get injured? This defense yeah. is going to have to support this offense, right? It takes one injury to change it all. You know, they lost their, their running back in Miles Sanders. You know, now they're going to have to go with a smaller back in DeAndre Swift and maybe change it up with Kenneth Gainwell. Again, those smaller backs, can they last the entire season? You know, and Rashad Penny, they bring in a veteran, which I like Rashad Penny, but he, he is an injury, you know, waiting to happen as well. So a lot of question marks for me personally with Philadelphia. And I think fans, you know, they're like, oh, well, Jalen Hurts was at the Super Bowl. This team was putting up a bunch of points on the board. There's no way that Philadelphia is not going to make the playoffs. Guaranteed, I'll put a thousand bucks on it, is what I think most fans are thinking. But I'm telling you, you know, there's the Super Bowl hangover for a reason. It does exist. And I'm not a fan of Jalen Hurts. It's just that simple. I'm not a fan. I, I think the guy is very lucky to be such on a, on a loaded roster offensively. This roster has been, you know, constructed very well. But now they just lost a huge building block, like I mentioned, in Miles Sanders. So let's see what Philadelphia does this year. Young coach Nick Sirianni came into the league. Oh, my God. Great coach. Up and coming. Hey, maybe. I want to see it. Him do it again with this football team, which is a lot different. You wait to see if Jalen Hurts gets a couple more hits because that offensive line is different. If Jalen Hurts gets a couple more hits, you bring the house on him a couple times here and there. You might not have the 30 points a game that Philadelphia was roughly averaging last year. So keep an eye on Philadelphia. They will have a lot of pressure because of the expectations that we think they'll be able to deliver. Oh, yeah, this team has a ton of expectations and a ton of pressure heading into the season. For me, I'm really curious to see how DeAndre Swift fits in this offense and if he's going to be used as much as, let's say, a uh, guy like Miles Sanders was because, you know, they, they had that really good connection together, did uh, Hertz and, uh, you know, and Sanders when they were running the, those RPOs. And they were just doing a really good job of running the football and almost making it look easy. So for me, Swift is a great running back, and, you know, we talked about health, and can he stay healthy is another question mark. Uh, so running backs, you know, unfortunately uh, are just – it's it's rare we see one of the top running backs being able to consistently stay healthy uh, over the course of their career, and I think that's going to be the case with with Swift. I hope setting him good vibes that he's going to be able to do that. But I'm curious to see how Steve Yanni decides – 
to use Swift? Is he going to catch more balls on the backfield? Is he going to be used more as an offensive, uh, I should say, pass-catching running back uh, than Miles Sanders was, even though Sanders was very good in that domain as well? So, yeah, Eagles, I got a solid pick there. For me, we talk about a player, and we talk about a team that – or I say team first that's been struggling over the last few years. And now they get a very solid quarterback. They had the number one pick this year. They traded it down because they trust Justin Fields. For me, the Chicago Bears, and I didn't think I'd be saying this this quickly into Justin Fields' career. But, you know, people are talking about, even you mentioned it, right, Dominic, as the Chicago Bears is a potential Super Bowl contender. Because um, you look at their roster, this roster is solid. You got Justin Fields. Obviously, that you got you got uh, you got Fields. You got them trading out of the number one spot. The fact that they believe in him so much, uh, and that you know they're willing to uh, to bank on him and, and see what what he can do uh, for the Chicago Bears. You got DJ Moore as well. You got you know Cole Komet. You got like, a lot of these guys that uh, may not seem like the sexiest names, but this roster is very well built. Um, I think we may need to tone it down just a tad on the Justin Fields hype. I think he's very good. I think he's uh, has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And this is not me knocking him. I just think that right now we've almost guaranteed this guy to be Super Bowl MVP coming into the season. We've guaranteed him, you know, that he's going to put up three to four touchdowns a game. Uh, that he's going to limit his interceptions. And you know, he he had a very good statistical season last year, and he's an, he was an incredible runner. And you know, he just he's a. a an athletic specimen, you know, we don't see guys like him come along very often, especially at the quarterback position. You know, I think that he took off for 80 plus yard runs more than a quarterback. I think I've ever seen since watching football. So he had those crazy plays, um, but he's still young and he still does make those mistakes that you'd hope that he doesn't make. So I think coming into the season, we're all hoping that he doesn't make them. And it's, it's in our minds is a guarantee, right? It's a lock almost like, Oh, you know, this guy like Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall pick. He's going to be a lock. He's going to be, you know, the next either Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. And it has worked out for Trevor Lawrence now, right? He's made his rookie mistakes. And now we're seeing the uh, the uprise of Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, it's been a, really an immediate uprise. But for Justin Fields, it's it's not to knock him. I just think as, as the media, we always often, you know, look, look to a player. I'd latch on him and try and make him the next best thing. And, you know, he's going to get better. And I do expect him to get better. And I expect the team to be a good Super Bowl team. So a good... Um, Intended for a playoff spot, but I don't think this is going to be a Super Bowl contending team. I really think that's premature to put these guys there just yet. Uh, he's still got to be able to, to be on the right connection of DJ Moore, right? Like this is a new receiver. He's never thrown to this guy. Uh, and we got to understand that. And there's a reason that, you know, this team, you know, last year they went three and 14, right? And we're talking about this team as a Super Bowl contender. Look, I love myself some underdog stories. I love myself, you know, quarterbacks that were doubted um, and that, you know, people are able to say, wow, this guy's improved because I was, I was a Justin Fields. Um, I was, I wasn't, a, I was not a Justin Fields, you know, huge supporter. And I think that a lot of people uh, were like, well, this guy is good. And, you know, I didn't give him the credit he deserved. I, I did like watching him out of Ohio state. I wasn't sure how I was going to transit in the NFL. And he's been a pleasant surprise to me. And I am rooting for him because I do really like him and I find him a very fun player to watch, but we're talking about the team as a Super Bowl contender, and they had three wins last year. For me, I just think that, like, this just means there's a ton of pressure on Fields because we're talking about um, him and this team. Like, you know, they could surprise him. Don't get me wrong. They could surprise him, and they could ultimately end up winning the division. And I know that sounds contradictory to what I just said over the last few minutes, but I think right now we got to pump the brakes just a tad and let this Justin Fields and, you know, Bears team happen organically. Let's not jump the gun here. I think we do it often in sports. I think that's why I love sports, right? You know, there's a lot of expectations on certain players, certain teams, but let's just let this start happen organically. That would be my, you know, best best piece of advice to Fields. Don't force anything. Let the game come to you and, you know, try and knock out the outside nose. I know it's hard, uh, but let's just, you know, let this happen um, and, and not, not force things here, Dom. That's what I say about the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I think that the reason why people might be taking Chicago is that there's not many quarterbacks that are elite in the NFC currently. There's not yeah, somebody that's going to be there and, and just destroying a team week in and week out. I just personally, I don't see it. That being said, we look at the NFC North, you know, Aaron Rodgers just left the division. People are going to be a lot happier. And I see Minnesota making bizarre moves. I see Detroit kind of like growing in the division. Could be a battle between Detroit and Chicago. We'll have to see. I mean, looking at Justin Fields' growth, it really predominantly came 
through the running game last year, putting up a thousand four hundred, sorry, a thousand one hundred and forty-three yards. And uh, I thought that that I didn't expect that. The year prior to that, he was he ran for four hundred and twenty yards. So that boost of production, I think, is what turned a lot of people's heads. And if we look at what they did in the off season, I think it's another reason why to say to yourself, you you have the number one pick. You could pick anybody you want and you decide to yeah. trade away. That means you have full confidence in this football team. And that's how much pressure is that, right, Dom? How much pressure is that on fields? Well, how much pressure? He was drafted first overall. I mean, that was pressure enough from day one. I think yeah. this guy, it's just a question of delivering and you got to surround him obviously with talent and it's about him being comfortable with it with the talent given to be honest with you i think he's done a tremendous job growing in this league and this year for all we know chicago could do outstanding things but i agree with you it's not like a a sure shot this guy is not a conventional quarterback you know this is what we're seeing we're seeing teams right now not going with the traditional pocket quarterbacks and molding quarterbacks with a kind of like a hybrid running style with throwing style. And if they're smart, they capitalize on fourth down. So by saying that it really comes down to Matt Eberfluss ability to coach this football team. He's been there, I believe two, three years now. And I think that if he decides to kind of like, mimic what we just saw with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, you do need a good offensive line to do it. And that probably is the million dollar question in Chicago is, can you go on fourth down? I think this is a trend we're going to see a lot more in the NFL. You need to have an elite rushing quarterback to do so. Justin Fields clearly is. And you need to have a team on defense that is able to, you know, if we're, if you're going to get fourth down and you're not going to convert you're going to rely on that defense and when i saw them add tj edwards and tremaine edmonds to this linebacking core to stop the run listen this is huge this is our huge pieces to the puzzle to gain confidence on defense so it can translate to more possessions on offense and if you're going on fourth down a lot chicago you will be successful chase claypool will be a beast this year in the red zone because he's there for his second year. It takes a lot of, you know, understanding of an offense to come in midway through. I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I saw him in Pittsburgh. I think that he should have got a lot more passes in the red zone. I expect him to catch the ball at least between eight to 10 TDs this year. And DJ Moore in Carolina was a darling. I think if he finds any chemistry with Justin Fields, wow, that's going to be beautiful because Darnell Mooney will become a wide open receiver. He had a down year last year, but Darnell Mooney is a baller. I've seen this guy play. I think the greatest things of Darnell Mooney. And that's why I think that Chicago will shock a lot of people this year and will probably make their way into the playoffs and do some damage. That's how I see Chicago. I don't think they have that much pressure. If anybody has a little bit pressure, it's the coach, you know, Matt Eberfluss. He'll need to scheme his way. And that's like I said, fourth down, find a way to be confident, convert on fourth down and Chicago will be going places. It's it's a good stuff there, Dom. And, you know, you talk about Chase Claypool, and it's you know he's even a guy that I didn't mention. I really like Claypool. I find like he's one of the best 50-50 receivers uh, in terms of when the ball being in the air, like that ball is his, and there's no way a DB is even going to touch a finger on that football. It's going to be his. It's for him. It's his maturity, and uh, and can he stay a team first guy? And I think that if he's able to do that, he'll fit this you know the system perfectly. And we saw a bit a bit of a connection with him um, and and Fields uh, near uh, near the end of last season, even you know throughout the course of the season. You talk about the running backs on this team, right? Montgomery no longer on the squad. You got Khalil Herbert, so it's he's going to be the the running back one. I wonder, you know, if if for him. Um, the kind of the outlook for him because yeah, Justin Fields can run the football, but obviously you got to have your running back do the same as well to take pressure off of your quarterback running the football. So I think Khalil Herbert will be a guy to keep an eye on as well. And I think that, you know, you, you said it very well there for the bears. Um, and I agree with everything. And I think that, you know, Justin Fields has made progress and this team is very good, but I just think that right now for these guys, it's, it's not a super bowl or bust, even though I know all 32 teams have that mindset, which is a, you know, which is just a, the mindset you got to have, but, for me, if this team makes the playoffs, uh, like even in itself, that's that's a success. You know, when make the playoffs, 
lose your first game. I know the division's, you know, weaker than it was because Aaron Rodgers is gone and I can see this team winning the division. Um, but we got to have baby steps for this team and not, uh, and not expect too, too much. But I do like your take there, Dominic, because they do have the squad. They do have the roster. Uh, and we have seen a tremendous uh, improvement out of Justin Fields. Let's stay in the division and a team that I think has very little pressure on themselves. Now that Aaron Rodgers left is the Green Bay Packers. Since I started watching football, you know, I really became a, a big football fan, I guess, I don't know, when I was like seven or eight years old. But over the last like few seasons and over the, the course of, uh, I guess to say, my football watching career, NFL watching career, this Packers team has always been a threat to win the Super Bowl, right? You got Aaron Rodgers, um, them winning that Super Bowl against uh, your Steelers uh, a while back. And then we got them, you know, making it to the NFC Championship game. And then they consistently their, their, their uh, kryptonite has been the San Francisco 49ers. But right now it's like, do we even expect this Packers team to make the playoffs? Like Jordan Love, he's going to come. He's finally going to be the QB one for these guys. He has, he seems to have support uh, from his team and from his defense. I believe it was um, one of their uh, Jerry Alexander, seeing who's the best quarterback in the NFL. So you know, it's good. You don't want to have too too much pressure on this guy. And I'm pretty sure he said that jokingly. So it's good to have support from your your fellow teammates. But this Packers team is like, what are we expecting from this team? I'm like, what are your initial uh, expectations and, and and thoughts about this Packers squad? Because for me, I would I wouldn't even be surprised to see them finish last in the division. We talk about Chicago becoming a better team. I still think it's Minnesota Vikings division to win. Uh, even you know, even with their strange moves in the offseason, the loss of Dalvin cook potentially um and the Detroit Lions are getting better year in and year out so yeah for for me it's uh I'm a Packers fan I you know it's uh, all the years of being spoiled I mean contenders for Super Bowl uh contenders to win the Super Bowl I'm kind of you know not used to what's going to happen potentially in the next few years and just where this team is headed because they've been spoiled right and I'm not sure they're going to be able to uh to to have that luxury of being Super Bowl contenders that continue now with Jordan Love at least for the next few seasons Hey, Packer fans have been treated to two wonderful quarterbacks and yeah. Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Now we're transitioning to Jordan Love. And that will be the million dollar question is, can Jordan Love fill Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers shoes? I don't see it. I know it's, we're in the new NFL and anything could happen. He's going to have to prove it to me. I know he had a couple uh, plays last year where we saw, wow, this is a, a nice progression for Jordan Love that uh, we weren't anticipating when he had an opportunity to play. But in this division, uh, I don't know, man. I, I'd i love to see it. I mean, Christian Watson had a great rookie season. Romeo Dobbs started very well. Uh, he had a an amazing start to that season. I just don't think Jordan Love can throw the ball well when it's like, you know, really complex play patterns. I think... He's a one-dimensional play-action quarterback, which will probably benefit Christian Watson. So this team is going to be running the ball all year. At least that's how I would do it. If I'm Lamont LaFleur, I'm saying, Aaron Jones, man, I'm going to give you the ball 300 times this year. So you better be ready to just eat the ball. It will be his show, and he will have to deliver in order for Green Bay to be a successful team. I'll, I'll give Jordan Love... An opportunity to prove himself this year. He does have some interesting weapons, but I think that the Packers are going to be at best a 500 football team and uh, they will be like, what, two, three games out of the playoffs. I don't buy it. On defense, you mentioned uh, Jared Alexander. To me, that's pretty much the most talented player uh, on that defense. I don't see anybody really giving me something more uh, to root in that defense. I think that defense is a work in progress. We, they drafted uh, Lucas Van Ness. People are are big on him. I saw his game tape. Not a huge fan. So, But again, these teams sometimes could shock. And out of nowhere, you could find Green Bay in the playoffs next year. I'm not one that's going to be saying that. I'm going to say Green Bay is going to fall just short of the playoffs. And Jordan Love, probably within the next year or two, will not be the quarterback anymore for the Green Bay Packers. Well, you know, and that seems a little bit harsh. Um but I do understand where you're coming from, and I, I think I side with you a little bit there. If you look at this roster, right, you got Christian Watson, okay, he had a tough start to his uh, NFL career, obviously. We, <laughs> first thing you think about is that uh, the the bomb he dropped on uh, one of his first games, but then he really, really um, got his stuff together near the end of the season, right? He had a good connection with um, with A-Rod, and we saw why this, this team was so high on Christian Watson. He got Romeo Dobbs, okay. 
And then, you know, after that, who, like, who do you have, right? Robert Tanya was a big loss to the Chicago Bears. Um, and the starting tight end right now is Luke Musgrave. So it's, this team just doesn't really have enough firepower on the offensive side of the ball. I think it was good that they kept Aaron Jones. Um, also, another running back that we talked about, like a catch a ball out of the backfield. So that's good. And that in itself should, should help uh, Jordan Love. But it's like, how much expectation could we have for this guy? Like, I'm not sure any QB on this uh, or in this in the NFL right now would be able to put up, you know, a championship season uh, with these guys. It's, you know, it's no, it's no shot on them. It's just this team. For years and years and years, they were stubborn and not drafting a wide receiver. And, you know, they finally ended up doing it. But I, I, I don't want to say it was too little too late. But they had their chances in the first round to get a baller. Uh, and they just do, didn't do it. And I think that right now they've kind of left Jordan Love in a bit of a pickle. It's it's hard. And it's, you know, to expect this guy to have, you know, a great season, let alone a good season. Um I think they're saving grace is that, like I said, the division isn't as strong as it used to be. Um, and, uh, and you know, the fact that they were able to to keep Aaron Jones, who's, you know, was linked with the Dolphins for a while and, you know, potentially was going to leave. Um, but I, I think right now you said it well. He's going to have to be the, the the heart and soul of this team. But at the same time, you don't want to – I get what you're saying. You want to give him touches, but you also want to be able to let Jordan Love make his mistakes, right, and throw the football and make his reads and, you know, make good plays as well. So it's like you don't want to limit Jordan Love – uh, either in that regard, but it's just, you know, we talk about teams that have been so lucky, dumb over the course of the Patriots and the Packers. Um, and, you know, since I started watching football, these guys were like, they would lose a game. You'd be shocked. Um, and, you know, now that this transition phase for the Patriots and the Packers, it's, it's a weird transition, Dominic. Like, I mean, even for your Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You, your, your Steelers were, uh, two world contenders for a while with the Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, you had Heinz Ward, um, and Paul Amalu on that great defense and obviously Big Ben. And it's like, for fans, it's, uh, it's kind of a must be a tough pill to swallow. Luckily for me, as a Dolphins fan, I haven't had to live through that. They've had no expectations since I became a fan. If anything, the expectations are higher now than they were when I first started. But that's a, a tough transition for fans, you know, being uh, treated and, and you know, I guess you can say spoiled for so many years. And now uh, hoping your team makes the playoffs, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough transition. Yeah, it's a tough transition when you're moving on from two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back. They have been just spoiled, the Green Bay Packers organization and fan base spoiled. And now the only good thing I'll, I'll let Packers fans know is that football is really changing specifically at the quarterback position. And they're trying to stay on top of the curve. To bring it back to Chicago really quick, I have them being a lot better than a team like Green Bay because of the ability to pass the ball and having a right receiver to do all more crazier routes. That's what it comes down to. It's just like a quarterback's ability to read the defense and let the right receiver run the routes, very complex routes at time, and then delivering it timed perfectly. Jordan Love is not one of those quarterbacks. Good stuff there, Dom. So there's a few uh, a few guys looking for new homes, obviously, in the NFL. Some big names. you got Dalvin Cook. you got DeAndre Hopkins here. Uh, they have, uh, you know, Hopkins has been linked to several teams. You know, he went to visit the Patriots. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any rush in getting a, a deal done with Hopkins and you know, the Patriots anytime soon. I'm uh, not sure how... Uh, how realistic that'll be that uh, he signs in New England just because of, uh, you know, a deal not getting done over the last uh, few days. Dalvin Cook, too, obviously looking for a new home as well. And, uh, you know, Cook saying if I get paired up with Hopkins, that'll be uh, a recipe for basically a Super Bowl, which would be pretty incredible. Um we talk about, you know, there's a lot of teams that need stars like this uh, and, uh, and you know, a lot of teams that, uh, that you know, kind of have been missing a superstar over the last season, just a guy to sell tickets and uh, things like that. So I guess would you say, oh, if I asked you, Dom, there, is there a team that specifically needs to sign one of these guys? Is there um, uh, any doubt on why a deal hasn't been done yet in terms of Hopkins or Cook? Signing a deal is it just a little bit too early right now? Obviously, we're only in June. Uh, what are your talk? Your thoughts on the kind of the uh, the sweepstakes of uh, of DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook so far? Well, the DeAndre Hopkins story is quite simple. The guy wants to get paid and he wants to play on a Super Bowl contender. Well, I don't know if you can get both. I just did a quick uh, market calculation. Uh, they are putting. The value of DeAndre Hopkins at $23.2 million, comparable to Devontae Adams, comparable to uh, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs. We all know that he, he should be probably underneath, obviously, that, comparable to maybe 
Odell Beckham salary in Baltimore, but nobody's going to pay that money for whatever reason to DeAndre, probably because he's 31 years old and probably because that he's kind of like, if you want to talk about a diva, I think this guy could be considered in that class, but does he back it up? I think he backs it up. So who can take a diva that can back it up? Usually there's the one and only Bill Belichick. And I think that good old Bill, for whatever reason, when he brought in Randy Moss, I mean, he got this guy, you know, almost to the Super Bowl. Sorry, no, he did get him to the Super Bowl. He broke like records with him, but they, yeah. they fell short. It fell against the Giants. And it was uh, one of those years for the, for the New England Patriots. DeAndre Hopkins. Can he be as good as Randy Moss? No, Randy Moss is a one-of-a-kind player, but he's just underneath Randy Moss, right? He's just the kind of guy that is a baller that you can have full confidence in throwing to this guy. And at least he's going to try DeAndre to do his best and do this crazy acrobatic catch and uh, get the ball in the end zone. So that's why I love DeAndre is that I have full confidence on his ability to deliver the more you feed the ball to this guy the better he gets you go look at his stats and you can make that comparison yourself where could he go i'll stick with new england i think that new england if you want to be relevant in this division this division is becoming really really strong and you got to step up you got to pull the trigger get deandre hopkins on this football team as quick as possible and seeing him beside juju smith schuster man they're gonna feed off each other that's where i want him to land i think that he could land there and be super successful where I don't want him to land. But I made the kind of analogies that like if he lands in Kansas City, you could pretty much book Kansas City to get another Super Bowl. DeAndre, yeah. If DeAndre's in Kansas City, I don't know between Cincinnati and, you know, you have the Chargers and you have KC. You're going to have to put so many points on the board against KC if DeAndre lands there. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Luckily for us, Casey has no money to spend and they would have to do a lot of movement around to fit in DeAndre. Because like I said, he wants to get paid and he wants to play for a contender. Is yeah. New England a contender? No. But does Bill Belichick kind of like bring in a lot of respect? Of course. And does he see this team thriving DeAndre? That's all about having that visit, right? You analyze your teammates, you analyze where you're going and you say, is it a good fit to finish my career? Cause I think Deandre, you know, he might play for a one-year contract, but he probably is thinking long-term. He wants to pick a team where he could probably finish his career. Is that new England? Well, that depends on how you see new England. I don't see new England being outstanding with uh, Deandre, but I see him being relevant. New England yeah. right now is not relevant in that division. Forget about it. But you bring in DeAndre, they become a relevant team. They could maybe knock out or eliminate, for example, a last game of the season if they were to play against a, a divisional rival, which they probably are. They could maybe knock a team out and uh, take that last victory because that last game of the season is going to be a costly one for a lot of teams in the NFL. Having DeAndre on your team gives you that extra edge to beat anybody on any given Sunday. That's a very, very good point. I think you said, you know, I often agree with you, Dom, and I try not to, but I guess they say great minds think alike there. But when you said right now this Patriots team isn't relevant, and if they got him, they would be. And, you know, I think that is so, so true. If you're New England, for me, wh why are you not getting a deal done here? Look, I get Diop probably wants a lot of money. Um, at the end of the day, if Diop doesn't want to go to New England, he won't go to New England. So you can't, you know, uh, you know, force the guy to come and play. But if if the money is the issue, I think that, you know, right now you look at this Patriots team, the way they are right now heading into the season. Okay, they may be about 500. They may, may fight for a playoff spot, get a wild card spot. I don't think they will with this roster. Why not go for a guy like Diop? You know what I mean? Why not pay? Why not overpay for him? Like, I understand Belichick, you know, doesn't want to overpay and he prides himself on getting what he wants, how he wants it. Uh, but we've seen teams overpay for players, and some ways it's worth it, right? Did the Dolphins overpay for Tyreek Hill? Yeah, they probably did. But have they become ex exceptionally better with him on the team? Yeah, they have. So for me, this I, I get you don't want to overpay, and value is super important. Um, and, you know, it, it's football is an ultimate team sport. But when you have a chance to get a once-in-a-lifetime player like DeAndre Hopkins or, like I said, Tyreek Hill, when Miami got Tyreek Hill, the first thing people said is, oh, Miami overpaid for him. And I, I agreed. Was he worth the no? But the, Miami needed a guy like Tyreek Hill, and you know we see now that I think Miami's become quite Super Bowl contenders because of that addition. So 
you know, if it's about money for Belichick and this Patriots, I think that that's a problem. I think, you know, you want to get a guy like Tiop on the team. We're not talking about a guy who's way past his prime here. Um, and, you know, a, a guy that's, uh, you know, an offensive line or something like that. This guy is a, is a, a really one-dimensional player. And I think he honestly still has the capability of being the best wide receiver in the NFL. I really do believe that in the category of Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and, and you know, guys like that because he hasn't um, had the greatest connection with um, Kyler Murray over the last season. Right? We thought this was going to be a match between heaven. Un- unfortunately, it wasn't. And I guess I, for me personally, I blame a little bit more Murray for that and, you know, his lack of production on the football field. Um, but if you're the Pats, you know, get this deal done. Don't overthink this. I, I know you 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 want to um, spend your money wisely and you want to make sure you have money for other players, but yada, yada. But right now you have a young court, two young quarterbacks and Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. And this wide receiving core is just not getting it done for these guys. I like the addition of Juju Smith-Schuster. That's great. I like the Mike Kosicki there. That's great as well. But, you know, Don, for, for me, my my analysis is often that is I understand you want to get the best value. You want to get the best bang for your buck. And oftentimes we see it in the draft. Oh, this guy's not worthy of being picked the first round, picked in the first round. The value pick isn't there. But if you want a guy on your team, gosh darn it, go and get him. You know, for me, it's, it's kind of that simple. And if you're the Patriots, I think this needs to be done. And I think you need to simplify it. Give the man what he wants. Call it a day and move on to the, the start of the season. That's my take. No, no, you're 100% right, William. And I think it's going to come down to market value, as we discussed earlier, and who is currently available in free agency. So once these players start signing elsewhere, or if an injury were to happen uh, in the offseason to a wide receiver, then you're going to see guys like, right now we have Kenny Galladay, Julio Jones, uh, Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Those kind of guys need to be signed. And if they if they get signed early, then the value of DeAndre Hopkins goes up if ever something were to happen. And right now, these guys are all waiting at home, waiting for the phone call. I expect even Julio will probably get a phone call uh, because I think that Julio is kind of like one of those guys where his uh, intangibles of his size and his ability to reach – Uh, is second to none. I know he's 34 years old, but I would take one last shot at Julio. Uh, I think we say that every single year. He had Tom Brady. But I think the story with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really quick with Julio is that there's just too many mouths to feed. And I think Julio is another one of those guys where you need to to feed him at least eight times a game. He's got to get like eight targets a game for him to be uh, relevant. But at 34, maybe... We're kind of like kicking the can here for for Julio, and I still believe in the guy. Don't get me wrong; he he hasn't done anything. I mean, but you look at his stats, and does he have a Hall of Fame career? He would need the Super Bowl to have one. So we'll see if that ever happens for him. But he definitely was a fantastic wide receiver when he played in the league. Guys like Kenny Galladay at 29 years old is an enigma. I don't know where that guy disappeared to. If he lost all his confidence, but I think on a different team he could maybe get another shot. And uh, I, I put in Jarvis Landry because even playing with the Saints last year, I thought he was definitely a guy that, again, a volume receiver. These guys are all like, give me the darn ball because I can run routes and I could catch it. But the only thing that they have all working against them is that as you get older, you start slowing down. And when you start to slow down against younger DBs, they are always drip over you and you need you to have like an extra element in your game, which is what. Julio has his size, which is what DeAndre Hopkins has in his hands. He's got massive yes. hands. Now, how can you not give an opportunity to DeAndre? Mar- the market will decide where he will go. We'll just have to wait to see where all these free agents end up. That's And it's going to be, you know, huge. And I think, like, it's a good point with guys that we haven't talked about that much. Kenny Galladay, Landry, those are good guys as well. Um, talk about a fall from grace, Kenny Galladay. I remember when... There was a battle between Miami and the Jets in terms of who was going to get him. And I was really hoping the Dolphins would grab him. And I don't want to say thankfully they didn't because who knows what would have happened if he went to Miami. But it's to say things didn't work out in New York is, is I think, one of the biggest understatements um, possible now. And, yeah, Landry is, is, you know, guy, is he a sexy wide receiver? No, he's a slot guy. He's a guy that's going to move the chains. But he's a guy I think that every team needs. Um, and when we're talking about Diop now, not to, uh, not to, to um, you know, end that conversation. He's, only, he's 31 years old. Maybe his best football is behind him, but I still think he has um, 
what it takes to be a great, you know, for, for me, if there's one team that needs to sign him, I think it's the Dallas Cowboys. And I know that sounds weird because they do have depth of the wide receiver position. And, you know, are they the team that needs a wide receiver the most? No, they're not. But I think right now for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, it's like, okay, like this team, like we've talked about them for a while. Dak has been up and down. Dak needs to have a good year now. Um, and, you know, CeeDee Lamb really does attract a ton of the defense. And unfortunately, the wide receivers haven't stayed healthy. I would take a shot on D-Hop if I was um, – if I were the Dallas Cowboys, um, but yeah, and, and Dalvin Cook too. Now it's uh, with him. Uh, you know, is there a chance? I guess I could ask you. Don, is there a chance that you know guys like either Cook or Hopkins don't get signed before the start of preseason or even the start of the season? Like, is there? For me, it'd be shocking if neither of them are on a team. But I mean, right now, look, we're I mean, uh, late mid to late June preseason starting. Let's say it's in a few months. Um, there, there's no way that these guys won't have a home right by the start of preseason, right? Oh, for sure. They'll be signed somewhere as soon as training camp starts. The market will dictate in terms of their value. And as I said, people tend to wait and see, oh, is someone going to get hurt? You know, what's happening? Is there a turmoil that we don't know about in a specific locker room? So all these things need to play themselves out. And guys are not necessarily in a rush, but they do know that anybody who's a smart football player, I know they might all hate training camp, but training camp is the most important time of the year for a football player. I know sometimes some guys think they could, oh, I'll just play week one, but it's yeah. about to get continuity within the offense, knowing where you're supposed to be. You could only do that if you run the damn plays in practice. And if you don't, then, you know, you're going to show up rusty week one and that confidence that you were supposed to have developed in training camp won't be there. And you might only be peaking by the end of the season and you might not be in the playoffs. So both these guys will be signed before training camp. Yeah, I'd be surprised if uh, if they aren't as well. And I think that it's, your good point is that, yes, the, the market will dictate a lot. Um, but like you said, there's still a few guys like in the wide receivers that you mentioned that, uh, you know, potentially can... Uh, can be be signed, you know, people that, uh, you know, may be forgetting about as well. Uh, have you been catching any of the training camp, any training camp highlights? I know it's pretty cool on my Instagram. I follow the Dolphins and I love seeing like the one-handed catches and the players. And I think once, you know, you see these guys practicing and going through their routes and that's an O'Malley football right on the corner. Have you been able to catch a little bit of that? Well, I tend to follow my my team, my, my Pittsburgh Steelers, and yeah. read a bit about uh, how the, the young guys are doing. And I read something the other day that uh, – Jalen Warren should be played a lot more in this offense. And I'm 50-50 on that because you know how I am, William. I like to uh, feed one running back the ball yeah. so they can set up their runs. You know, you need, you need to, those extra runs when you know you're only going to get two yards, but you're setting up something for something bigger later in the game. And uh, I didn't like that. As a Steelers fan, I know Jalen Warren's going to be good, but I don't want to see Jalen Warren on the field all year unless Najee Harris is injured that's just the way i roll i don't care how good you are you are there to play your role and yes i know that the new nfl is like oh yeah a guy can't handle the rock 20 times i'm sorry Najee harris is a beast giving the ball to Najee as much as he wants last year was a year where they actually took away the ball from Najee, so i expect it to be the opposite this year for him and uh I have big, big, high expectations for, for Harris this year because if he doesn't do anything, the Steelers aren't going to go anywhere, in my opinion. Hey, we talk about a tank. Mr. Harris is definitely one of those, an absolute tank, a guy that could chuck guys all over the field. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Power Hour. You were listening to CJLO, 69 a.m. in Montreal.